We reject the ideology of globalism, and we embrace the doctrine of patriotism. Not only will this tax plan pay for itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral and legal obligation questions that I think we'll have to wrestle with as a society. When we as people go wobbly on the truth, we go wobbly on America. All you have to do is look at the numbers, look at what we've done. And this is only the beginning. You're tuned in to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. It's Saturday, February 20th, 2021. My name is Jason Taylor, host of Evidence of Design. I'm also joined in the WXIR studios by my good friend and co-host, Mary Lawrence. Good morning. We will most likely be joined on the phone by our other good friend and co-host, Matt Treadwell. Folks, we are really excited to be back live for you wherever you're tuning in, whether it's in Rochester on the dial at 100.9 FM WXIR, or if you're from anywhere else, if you're tuned in live via WXIR's live stream, such as via TuneIn Radio, we welcome you here. It's been, it's been several months since we've been able to do a show live, and we're really excited to be able to be here. You know, because of COVID-19, now things are kind of starting to open back up. Although, of course, the threat of the virus is still very much out there. Regardless, we'll take what light we can find. Because we're live, it means that you can give us a call. 585-219-8889. Feel free to give us a call at any time throughout the hour. 585-219-8889. I believe we have a caller right now. Does this happen to be co-host matt treadwell hi it's matt from webster matt from webster what's going on thanks for joining us matt uh you're you're also live too with us but just kind of not in the studios welcome back thanks so on to why why would anyone call in on today's show we will be covering the minimum wage there's a lot in the news right now democrats are proposing to increase the minimum wage nationwide to 15 dollars an hour zoom into local news the university of rochester just announced that it is raising the minimum wage for all of its employees to 15 dollars an hour by the end of next year we will be talking about the minimum wage this hour, why we think it would be a good idea to raise the minimum wage, and to look at what some leaders are saying about it on both sides of the aisle and also locally. What are some arguments for raising the minimum wage? What are the arguments against raising the minimum wage? You know, it looks like on the federal level, Democrats might have a chance here to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2025 thanks to the work of Senator Bernie Sanders, among others. We'll be talking about that and more on today's show. Our show is all about critiquing income and wealth inequality. We think there is way too much economic inequality in society, and we think this economic inequality bleeds down into all other aspects of our society and manifests as symptoms, not causes. What I mean by that is the uh, ostensible anger by the right towards illegal immigration. For instance, I think that that um, anxiety, that antipathy towards so-called illegal immigrants 
and the threat, the so-called threat of them stealing our jobs, is just a manifestation of the fact that our country fails to provide a livable wage and, you know, long-term, sustainable, meaningful jobs for its citizens. And therefore, instead of blaming the economic system, our anger and our anxieties becomes to manifest towards scapegoats and other issues that aren't the root cause of our economic inequality, such as immigration. So we covered that and more on this show. We're glad you can join us. And again, give us a call, 585-219-8889 on Saturday, February 20th. I also should say that we, I believe, are live streaming for the first time on RCTV. That's a great opportunity that WXIR, the, the, the radio arm of uh, RCTV, uh, has. So some of the shows are able now to live stream both on the air 100.9 FM and also through the TV tubes. You know, it's all a series of tubes, folks, whether it's the internet or the TV or the radio. It's all just a series of tubes. So I believe we're live streamed on RCTV. You can check us out, channel 1301 if you're in the city or on Apple Stream, Fire Stick, Roku, or the RCTV live stream via the RCTV webpage. It's good stuff. Multiple ways you can join us. And if you want right now, Jason, we're on camera one if you want to give a wave to our listeners or watchers. So I have notoriously bad eyesight and I can like sort of make out I might be those, I look like, uh, basically I see six pixels of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can see me and then you can see a bunch of mics in front of Jason's face. Awesome. Is basically, or if I pan to camera two, you can look at Jason's back. My back, here we go. (laughs) That's the best stuff. So, you know, as someone who grew up playing uh, pixelated video games, I'm all for this. I always wanted to be a pixelated character, so I'm down with that. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) You know, the image I'm getting, not actually being able to view the, uh, what you guys are describing but I'm imagining a Pablo, Pablo Picasso painting of Dostoevsky oh boy the layers that would be pretty great Matt let's actually start with you here I know we said we're talking about the minimum wage um, well no yeah I'm sorry Matt. we're gonna get, so Texas has been in the news this week because of uh, well, the snowstorm that ran through Texas and it also affected us here up in the Northeast. The folks there lost power and the, the water has been out for, you know, for, for more than a week now for many residents in Texas. And Matt, we'll get to that later on. Matt, you're a resident of Texas and therefore you are essentially our on-the-ground reporter just because you were born in Texas around 20 years ago. And uh, <laughs> we're going to need your insight. All around right? 20 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Matt yeah. just had his birthday. I, he turned I, younger. Right. <laughs> I've spent an extensive amount of time in Texas. I'm I am more qualified to talk about Texas than anybody who actually lives there. Um, looking forward to it. <laughs> Thanks, Matt, for being our uh, token representative. Well, hey, folks, let's start with the minimum wage. So I, I'm I'm really excited about this. This is why elections matter. You know, imagine if. Um, Imagine if Donald Trump won re-election. Imagine if Donald Trump uh, lost re-election, which he did. But imagine if he clung to power and effectively destroyed American democracy by superseding the, the vote of everyone. And the Republicans essentially um, did what they're still trying to do, which is actively, uh, you know, break American democracy and, and, and hold power for, for centuries to come through corporatocracy. So anyways, imagine if the Republicans or Donald Trump are still in power right now. We would not be able to have this radio show talking about 
uh, something that could materially benefit everyone's lives right now, and that is raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour nationwide. This is pretty exciting. The minimum wage right now is $7.25 an hour. That's the federal minimum wage. My very first job, I was making $7.25. I still remember it like it was yesterday. Golly, oh, those were the days. I would make $7.25 and um, I don't know. I think I would buy like airsoft guns or something. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I made minimum wage uh, during a job I had in college. And I, at the same time, I had a campus job that paid over $9 an hour. So I had my grocery job, which was just... Mm -hmm. The minimum wage was my grocery money for the week, and that was all it covered. Yeah, I, I think if so, if you work seven, if you work forty hours a week, fifty-two weeks a year, so full time, if you're working minimum wage job, you're you're making fifteen thousand dollars a year. That's some serious money right there. You could um you could buy a pretty bad used car. <laughs> you know, no, you could get a pretty standard used car for that price. Uh, you could sort of pay for college, you know, you could go to, I suppose, community college. You, you couldn't really save up for anything, though. You couldn't you couldn't really travel that easily. So uh, I, I'm being cheeky to say that the minimum wage is not a livable wage. And we know that, it, it, you know, the, the problem is $15,000 a year. You're not able to effectively live off of that. And what's worse is that most minimum wage jobs do not allow people to work full-time right because then they would have to give them benefits right so f for especially those who are making or you know working in minimum wage jobs often not even able to work 40 hours a week or 52 weeks a year and therefore they're making far less than fifteen thousand dollars and year. don't have health insurance and Correct. don't have maybe sustainable housing there are a lot of other things that come along with uh, a minimum wage job unless you're very lucky and happen to have wealthy parents and are able to live off of that. Right. The federal poverty line for a single individual is $12,000 essentially. So if you're making a minimum wage, you are effectively in poverty, at least according to the federal poverty statistics. Of course, we know we've talked about on the show that uh, we believe that the federal poverty line is super, super conservative, meaning that Oh, okay. So if you make twelve thousand and one dollar a year as a single individual, you're magically not in poverty and therefore don't qualify for a lot of social safety net programs. Well, we know that you can't really live off of twelve thousand dollars a year, nor too could you really live off of thirteen thousand dollars a year, nor too could you really live off of eighteen thousand dollars a year, et cetera, et cetera. Right? And when I say live off, it means live a life that we think human beings should have material access to in the United States of America, the wealthiest and most powerful country in the history of humanity. You know, and so raising the minimum wage is a phenomenal way to help those, especially at the bottom, to uh, make a livable wage. They can meet their material needs. They can be recognized as human beings through at least an economic lens. And also, by the way, if you're, we need workers, we need people to have enough money to buy products to make the country run. You know, if you're if you're a small business owner. And you're worried about uh, having to raise your employees' wages. Well, th the nice thing is, is that when employees make more money or when people make more money, they can then buy your products. You know, the issue with our economy right now is we have too many people who don't have enough money to even buy goods and services. And so this is a really effective way, I think, I would argue, raising the minimum wage to make 
our entire economy healthier, not just for those who would experience the wage growth, but also every single person in this country to allow more money to be in circulation. That's a good thing. And so right now, the federal minimum wage is $7.25. In New York State, it was just raised this year to be $12.50 an hour. Uh, in New York City, it's higher. It's $15, but uh, cost of living is higher there. So uh, across New York State, the minimum wage is effectively $12.50 an hour. And that's because states have the power to set their own minimum wages. 29 states right now have minimum wages higher than the federal minimum wage. That means in those 29 states, including, for example, New York, people make more money than whatever the federal minimum wage is. So though we said the minimum wage for, on the federal level is seven twenty-five an hour, folks in these 29 states are making more than that if they work minimum wage jobs. Basically, it works as uh, you make the, the smaller amount or the larger amount of the two. So if there is a federal minimum wage and a state doesn't have its own minimum wage, then you would just make the federal rate. And there are some states, I believe there's one state at least, that has a lower minimum wage than the federal minimum wage. But because the federal minimum wage is higher, then that is the the, the minimum wage. It's possible that that state just never changed the law and decided to use the federal rate. Um, but in the United States, you have to make at least seven twenty-five an hour under certain conditions. So this is something we haven't gone into yet, but it doesn't apply to contractors or volunteers. You have to have uh, be employed by an employer, um, which we can go into later. Yeah, that's a great point, Mary. So 29 states right now have minimum wages higher than the federal level. 14 states have minimum wages at the federal level of $7.25 an hour. Two states have minimum wages below the federal level. So that means it doesn't matter. Those workers there are going to make whatever the federal level is. And also there's five states who don't have a minimum wage. And so why we're talking about all of this is because this new federal minimum wage of $15 an hour, if it's passed by Democrats, and, and why I say Democrats is because Republicans are opposed to this. Um, if it's passed by Democrats, then everyone across the entire country will have to at least make $15 an hour. Of course, there are some caveats, and Mary will touch upon those. For instance, if you work in, as a waiter or waitress, you're likely not going to be covered by the $15 minimum wage, you know, because you're still working uh, for tips mainly. Well, there's a different minimum wage for restaurant workers. Right. I also just want to make a, a quick interjection here. Uh, I didn't actually click the go live button earlier because I didn't, I haven't done this before. And I, we just went live about two minutes ago. So we're now on video. If you happen to be near your computer, you should be able to check us out on Facebook on the WXIR page. And you can you can write us comments if you don't want to call in. Uh, you can you can leave us a comment and we can respond to it that way. Or check us out channel thirteen oh one or RCTV's live stream. You can also give us a call five eight five two one nine eight 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 nine. You're listening to Evidence of Design on one hundred point nine FM WXIR in Rochester. We're talking about the minimum wage this hour, so. Here's where we stand. Democrats are proposing on a federal level to pass a $1.9 trillion economic stimulus package. Uh, President Biden 
had proposed this for a while, even when he was president-elect. And it looks like Democrats are trying to pass this measure through what's called the budget reconciliation process. All you have to know about that is it's a symptom of how our democracy is broken, such that in order to pass any major legislation in this country, we have to do it through these arcane and bureaucratic methods to get things passed, because otherwise there's no bipartisan cooperation and uh, things don't get done. And, you know, I'm not saying that's wholly good or wholly bad. For instance, Republicans used the budget reconciliation process to pass their 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And uh, I'm glad Democrats didn't support that. Well, this time, Democrats are wanting, among other things, to give people more stimulus checks, to uh, give aid to state and local governments, to expand unemployment insurance and benefits, and also to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Republicans, of course, do not support any of this. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised because... Uh, they see solutions to problems as giving tax cuts to wealthy people, whereas in general, Democrats see solutions to problems as giving more uh, money and income to, well, not the wealthiest of individuals. I tend to subscribe to that social framework, that we need to support those at the bottom as opposed to those at the top. Not because I don't care or don't love people who are wealthy. It's because they're already fine. They don't need to do anything, right? We can, we can tax them. We can raise their top marginal tax rates to 90%. They're still going to be millionaires and billionaires. They'll be just fine. The problem with everyone else at the bottom or in the middle is that we're not fine and we need help. And that's why we have a society and that's why we have a government so that we can effectively all help each other. In theory. Absolutely. And we're able to do that. We've done it in the past. We can do it again. And so I'm really excited about this. Senator Bernie Sanders is proposing. <laughs> Matt, are you uh, ironically laughing or are you crying? I can't tell. Uh, I'll leave it up for interpretation. <laughs> We're, we've we've um, ran the ebbs and flows of uh, political optimism and pessimism. I'm back to feeling optimistic. I'm back to feeling optimistic. That'll probably last. I don't even know if it'll last the length of the show, but I'm, I'm going to try. I mean, it, it might have some. It's sunny out today, so sometimes <laughs> that helps. As I look out and it's yeah. snowing right now, it's like a hail of snow coming uh, down. You know, you know, it's sunny though. <laughs> I'll give you the then. Yeah. So uh, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders is proposing to uh, have what's known as the Raise the Wage Act of 2021. That would raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2025. The Congressional Budget Office reported that that would lift 900,000 people out of poverty. However, the Congressional Budget Office also says that this proposal would increase the federal deficit by $54 billion and cost 1.4 million jobs by 2025. Now, this is, th this is the argument you hear from Republicans and those on the right whenever it comes to the minimum wage, is it's going to cost people jobs. If you're going to raise the minimum wage and make employers pay people more, employers will have to lay people off because they simply cannot pay them. They don't have the money to pay people a livable wage. Uh, the the counter-argument to that is that the, the purpose of capitalism in theory would be so that workers make livable wages to buy and sell goods and services so that the entire economy runs. And if your argument is that people don't deserve or aren't guaranteed or shouldn't have to make a minimum wage or a livable wage in an economic system, then I would contend that your economic system is broken and we should have a new one. Also, I would contend 
that uh, there are lots of reports out there that counter the Congressional Budget Office claim that raising the federal minimum wage would cost 1.4 million jobs. There are plenty of economists, and you can just Google this and see uh, counter arguments to say that raising the minimum wage would not necessarily cost that many jobs or jobs at all. Indeed, plenty of states, nine states to be exact, have already pledged to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour. New York State is one of them. And I don't see uh, people being laid off because of the minimum wage rising. I don't see that. If you see that, if you have stories about that, again, 585-219-8889, but I don't agree with that assessment. I think that... um uh, COVID has shown what a hack argument this this idea is that um, there are just some uh, jobs that are too low skilled or, or too too uh, just uh, I can't think of a word right now but they're they're too low skilled to be worth making uh, a livable wage you know like your burger flippers at McDonald's or your um, check out people at Wegmans. And I think the reason why that nobody can um, make that argument anymore is because COVID has shown us that these people are essential for this system to run. And if they're not able to work, then the system doesn't work. And so the argument that people make is that these are temporary positions meant to be held by, you know, people in college or teenagers on their way to a new career path. But the reality is that we always need to have janitors. We always need to have somebody manning the checkout line. We always need to have somebody in fast food restaurants to serve food because these are uh, jobs that help keep the, the system running. Remember um, all the uh, meat factories who were not allowed to shut down even when COVID outbreaks were happening, like the Tyson meat plant. Um, yeah, that's a great point, Matt. The, the, there's a counter argument used often by the right, just like what you said, where it's like, look, if you're making minimum wage, why don't you just like not do that? <laughs> why don't you just work harder <laughs> or move somewhere to get a job that pays a better wage? And it's it, it just whenever people say that, it's really funny to me because it just it strikes me as suggesting that no one realized they have the power to do that. Like, wait, I could just make more money. <laughs> I didn't, oh yeah, great idea. I didn't know that, you know. So, so there's like obviously that um, that silliness, but but you know something a little more intellectually honest that they might say. Uh, and you brought this up, Matt. Is well, you know, you might be making minimum wage now, but it's only temporary because we all got to kind of do our time, right? Um, I'm sure Jeff Bezos started out sweeping the floors at his mom and pop shop or whatever. You know, I don't know Jeff Bezos's background, but uh, we heard this from Kelly Loeffler. She used to be the senator. It was just called Don back then. <laughs> yeah, we we heard this rhetoric from Kelly Loeffler, the used to be senator from Georgia, who thank thank you for losing the election to Raphael Warnock. Oh God, thank you that she is not in power in the Senate. Uh, I couldn't think of anyone who deserves to power less perhaps than mitch mcconnell or donald trump but um she said over and over again well you know i in college i worked a job for low wage and i made it into being a billionaire now and my husband and i run the new york stock exchange it's like so it's an intellectually dishonest argument because you're in this system you're always going to have people who need to be the underclass in capitalism you're always going to have people who need to be as you said matt 
the burger flippers, the janitors, the call center workers, the clerical staff. And in this economic system, we have arranged for those people to be the underclass. We have arranged for them to have poor benefits. We have arranged for them to not have good pay. Not because they don't bring value to the system, right? In theory, in capitalism, you should get paid according to the value that you produce for society. I would love to yeah, see uh, us... Yeah, that's something that really should be emphasized, is that the, the value that these people bring is not the value of, of the wages that they're, that they're making. They're not being compensated um, at all for the, the value that they bring to the, the, the work that they do. And the reason why is because this system can only, be, uh, can only function uh, if people are being exploited. Absolutely. And that exploitation manifests as low benefits, poor wages, and also uh, social alienation, you know, being looked down upon and having your no- snobbed your nose at. Um, I would love to see our society operate without any call center staff, clerical workers, custodians, burger flipper, flippers, pizza makers. You know, to, to give one great example, um, if, you, if you work at a pizza store, a uh, pizza shop, I don't know, you probably make what, 10, I mean, well, in New York State, you might make at least 12, 15 an hour because that's the minimum wage. So you, you might make between 12, 50 to $15 an hour. I'm not sure. I've never worked in a pizza store, but, you know, I again, did and I made minimum wage. Right. So, <laughs> you know, we're, you're certainly not making a lot of money if you work at one of the local pizza joints. Again, give us a call, 100.9 FM WXIR, 585-219-8889 if you have a minimum wage story to share. But, um, Let's say you work at this pizza place. You make minimum wage, twelve fifty an hour. What does a large pizza go for nowadays? Twenty dollars, twenty dollars a pizza. So if you make, you know, you're standing there with the ingredients. You literally make a pizza for someone, and then you sell it to them for twenty dollars. You have produced more than what your labor is worth, right? Because you you magically made a surplus of seven dollars and fifty cents on that pizza that you made. The $20 pizza, you get paid twelve fifty an hour. Well, the odds are you're not just making one pizza an hour. You're probably making, I don't know, 10, 15, 20, 30 pizzas an hour. So do that math, and you can see where does that money go? Multiply 30 pizzas by $20 a pizza, and you can see it's way more money than what people's labor is being rewarded for. And And, and this is the issue with capitalism is that the money isn't going towards the people producing the goods and services. It's going to the owners of the capital, right? And so you could argue, well, it costs money to keep the lights on in the pizza parlor, costs money to buy the dough and the pepperoni and the cheese, but there's always profit in there somewhere. And uh, I, I don't think it costs a whole heck of a lot of money to buy dough. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's free, but it certainly costs money. And so, and so the argument is th- there is money being taken away from especially people at the bottom, but also all of us. Anyone who's a laborer, there's, you're, you're not getting the full value of your labor. And raising the minimum wage would be an effective way to counteract this. You know, $15 yeah, still isn't worth it. Go, go for it, Matt. Sorry. That's all right. I think the point to emphasize is that the, the common sort of conservative argument is that these are not jobs that are meant to be held forever. You know, these are stepping stones on your way to the top. And the, the counter to that is, I think, always is that, but yes, there always has to be somebody at the bottom. Yep. Always going to be someone there. You know, and if it's not you, congratulations, but who is it? Is it your son, your daughter, anyone else in your family member, you know, anyone else in your family, anyone else you know? There's someone who's going to be there. 
And so let's actually listen, I think, now to someone making a counter argument against the minimum wage. We're going to hear from Republican Tim Wahlberg. He's a member of the House of Representatives from Michigan. This is a statement he had to make on the House's Education and Labor Committee earlier this month. It's around a two-minute clip. We'll stop it several times to provide some analysis. But uh, we're going to hear a counter-argument now to raising the minimum wage. You're listening to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM, WXIR in Rochester. For now, let's hear what Tim Wahlberg has to say, House Reps member on the minimum wage. I have to respond to uh, some of the prior statements that don't don't come up to the test of reality. There's a reason why many jobs have gone from the northern states, whether it be Minnesota or whether it be Michigan, and have gone to the southern states and provided jobs for people, living wage jobs, that are exceptional uh, beyond what they had before because northern states decided that they would put in places arbitrary decisions on wage levels that impacted the ability of businesses, small businesses and otherwise, including large businesses like General Motors, Toyota, and others that chose southern states with a good workforce, with people that want to work, that people that will in, in, appreciate the level of pay beyond what they were getting because the jobs have moved there. So to talk about having a problem with a regional uh, wage scale that makes it possible for people to expand, to have more choice for the jobs and opportunities they have, is absurd. It's so we're going to pause Representative Wahlberg's statements there um, <laughs> so we can hear him saying, you know, again, he's from Michigan, so northern state. He's saying, look, we, we can't raise the minimum wage here because the north has already done this. Northern states have raised the minimum wage and look at what's happened. All of these jobs have fled to southern states because southern states have lower minimum wages and companies see that, uh, well, that's, I mean, he doesn't say this, but uh, companies can see that they can exploit workers better in the south and so they move their jobs there. And he, he literally says that there's livable wage jobs moving from Michigan to the south. I'm very curious at this point as to what he understands to be a livable wage, because all he mentions is that these wages, he doesn't say what they are, but he mentions just that they're more than the people were making before. Right. And that does not necessarily mean that those are good wages or livable wages. Like just because you're making more than you were before doesn't mean that you're operating at a way that makes your life sustainable, your lifestyle sustainable, and that you're able to save for the future. Because, you know, we always have to keep in mind that at some point, our bodies are going to be at a point where we can't labor anymore, and we're going to have to save for that time. So are these livable in thinking about your whole life? Or is it just that, you know, you could barely put food on the table before, and now you can eat three meals a day, and that's better because it's better than it was before. Yeah. It's it's just really funny because, you know, he's from Michigan. The minimum wage in Michigan is $9.65 an hour. And so I, I guess he's complaining somehow that like, oh, Michigan raised its minimum wage to $9.65. It's so, it's so high that companies couldn't afford to pay the workers. And so they went to the South where it's $7.25 an hour. 
if, if you make $9.65 an hour and you work 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year, you make $20,000 a year. That's not a good wage. That's not livable. It's literally not livable, as you said, Mary, because you, you can't save for your <laughs> hopefully eventual retirement if you even have the luxury to retire. Uh, nor can you do things that we would expect the, the so-called normal American family to want to do, like save up for a, a good college, go on trips, buy consumer goods that are fun, <laughs> you know? And in this too, we're always saying this assuming that people who have minimum wage jobs are working full time. Mm -hmm. And that's often not the case because companies in an effort to exploit their workers will make it so that hours are under full time so that they don't have to pay benefits. So that means that if someone who makes minimum wage has a health issue, how are they going to be able to pay for that? They'll have to pay for it out of pocket or they'll have to pay for their insurance out of pocket, which is massively expensive. Yes. Thankfully, I mean, at least in New York State, there is state-run health insurance for people who make under a certain amount, and $20,000 a year would fall under that certain amount, so you'd be able to get state-sponsored health insurance, which still costs money and still has copays and still has, you know, deductibles and such. So it's not a full answer, but it is something. I don't know how many other states have that, uh, but it is, you know, it's a huge issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, his, his argument of like jobs leaving the North and going to the South because the North raised minimum wage, it's just not backed up by reality. It is true that Southern states, Sunbelt states, Midwestern states have seen increasing populations there as people perhaps leave the coasts because housing has gotten so ridiculously expensive and living expenses have just gotten so high there that Americans are seeing some sort of demographic shifts towards the interior of the country. But I would heavily argue, and I don't think this is backed up by research, that it's because of minimum wage laws and increases, especially when um, he's talking about, Representative Wahlberg here is talking about a minimum wage in his state at a paltry $9.65 an hour. Let's continue to hear uh, another minute from his statements, though, and why he opposes raising the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. It's hypocritical to say that we care about people, but we want to take jobs away from them. And in fact, that's what is being done with a mandatory federal minimum wage act, regardless of what it is. If $15 an hour is where we ought to go, maybe we ought to go to $20 an hour. Why stop at 15 I contend for you that I wish we had the jobs back in Michigan that we gave away by doing some of the misguided things that are being talked of in this legislation. And hopefully Michigan will learn and will bring jobs back so that people can stay in the homes that they were raised in and love the place that they're at and uh, compete better with the southern states as well. That's just an example of the absurdity of talking about uh, a minimum wage and going against regional standards. We are not all equal in the sense of how we live, what we desire, what we need. The beauty of America is we have choice where we can move and where we can find a job. Sadly, what we're doing with this type of thing is pushing people in directions they don't want to go. And with that, I yield back. Uh, I think um, Wahlberg has the right idea. I mean, why stop at 20? I think it should be 30. <laughs> I mean, I do think that there is some, there's some truth to that, too. I mean, at the moment, the argument for 
going to 15 stops at 15. And I, I don't think he's wrong. The, the minimum wage should continue to grow as living standards grow, as housing prices grow. All of these things have to grow, so the minimum wage should grow too. But that's certainly not what he's getting at in his statement. Yeah, in his statement. I, I'm, I am totally going to make a shirt now of Wahlberg's face that says, why stop at 15, let's go for 20. <laughs> Just expropriate the quote. I don't know. Uh, that's, that's a good point, Matt. Um, hey, you're not going to make the shirt, though. You're going to pay somebody to make the shirt, and you better pay them at least the minimum wage to make the shirt. Well, I was thinking I could try to do the federal. I was thinking I could pay him seven twenty-five, even though it's New York, because um, it's all about the profit, baby. And I want the profit. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Matt, did you catch that he said that if he wanted to make more, you could just, like, move and, and make yeah, more? Yeah, you know, like, that, that, that was very reminiscent for me of, like... Um, People who criticize uh, uh, or are very critical of uh, immigrants coming from, like, uh, Mexico and other South American uh, – well, Mexico isn't, isn't in South America. But, but um, you know, Latin American immigrants saying, like, why do they come here? We don't want them. We don't like them. And it's like they're, they're coming here because they're often the – time, the places that they're leaving, they either can't make enough money to survive – or they're being persecuted by by uh, their government, or, or um, you know, their other existential threats. And so, the, the the idea that people have a choice or, or the ability to to um, to to just do as they like, you know, if you don't if you don't want to be making seven twenty five an hour, just get a different job. You you lazy bum. It, it's not based in any sort of reality that is lived by 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 many of Wahlberg's constituents. Right. And would, you know, if we're talking about the minimum wage being seven twenty five and if you don't spend any of it having fifteen thousand dollars in a year, do you have the means to move or to buy a car that would allow you to get a, another job? Is there infrastructure that allows you to do that? Do you have a family? Can you afford to move the family, find a new school, get a car? You know, there's so many barriers to just moving to get a better job that doesn't allow people to, to it's not a reality for so many people. Yeah, I, um, you know, we, we all know that uh, it's okay for people to try to move somewhere else to better their living situation, which is exactly why Ted Cruz went to Cancun this week. Uh, you know, so, so we know that's okay because our leaders are doing it. And so um, if it's that was okay, That was being smart. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was about his family, Matt. Why. He did it for his family. I don't family. know why many of my relatives living in Texas didn't follow his example and move to Cancun. <laughs> it's all about the family. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's the poor, it's poor people's fault in this country for making little amount of money because they could just move somewhere else to get a better job. It's also poor people's fault in other countries if they try to move to the U.S. to benefit their living situation because uh, that's unfair to the people who are living here. It's also unfair when we criticize wealthy people for, um, you know, being able to use their money that they worked hard for to go wherever they want, whenever they want, and get whatever they want, whenever they want it. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, all of that makes sense to me. I'm totally down with living in that sort of society. 
forward slash. That's because these people S. are gremlins. <laughs> They're gremlins. So they've never. This Wahlberg fellow, he, he's he's. How long has he been a, a representative in was it Michigan? Yeah. I don't know. I'll look it up now. It's like, when was the last time he ever had to work for anything? Yeah, he, I mean, he doesn't have he doesn't have the life experience to to pass judgment on the, the people he's governing. His yeah. his fundamental reality is entirely different from from like ninety percent of the population, probably. Yeah, it's certainly it's certainly frustrating, and uh, we <laughs> it is so I have to hold back so much when it comes to anything that like a republican does because it's just it's beyond the pale it's 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 existentially beyond the pale but hey they would say the same thing about our show so that that's the issue so i'm trying to be generous here but um at least what we can say is that the statements that they make when it comes to economics does not reflect the facts and uh i hope we've proved that point so far in this hour on evidence of design which is on 100.9 fm wxir in rochester as a reminder you're welcome to give us a call 585-219-888 Nine five eight five two one nine eight 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 nine. You can also catch us on Facebook, w, uh, WXIR's live stream, and also RCTV's live stream. We'd love to hear from you there as well. Mary, did, uh, so we can transition now to talk a little bit about Texas. I think that would be a good transition. But Mary, should we do the briefest uh, backgrounds on why we have a federal minimum wage? Sure. I I just think it's a bit of an interesting note to think about why we, not just why we have a minimum wage, but how long we've had it and where it came from. And the idea of a minimum wage, of having one at all, came out most likely out of the Great Depression. So the Fair Labor Standards Act was passed in 1938. And Uh, as far as I understand um, with the research that I did, that is the first time we had a minimum wage in the United States. And basically what the Fair Labor Standards Act decided was that people would have a right to a minimum wage, that they would cap out at 40 hours a week. So 40 hours became the standard work week. And if anyone was going to work over 40 hours a week at that job, Uh, then they would receive pay of time and a half. uh, So 1.5 times the minimum wage or whatever their salary is. And it also prohibited employment of minors in what is called oppressive child labor. Not entirely clear what that is, but I believe it's just uh, people under 18 were prohibited from doing certain dangerous jobs. Um, This, however, only applied to people who, or only applies to an individual who is employed by an employer. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, this doesn't affect people who are independent contractors. And, you know, that's huge right now. There are a a large percentage of Americans who work in what we call the gig economy. So maybe drivers for Uber and Lyft. Um, They don't have these protections and still don't have these protections. Uh, It also doesn't apply to volunteers, which, you know, makes sense because they're not paid anyway. Um, But it does cause a lot of problems and continues to by only classifying certain people as employees. There are also separate 
regulations for people who work in in the restaurant industry or tipped workers. I believe the current federal minimum wage for tipped workers is $2.13 an hour. All right. So that's for anyone who makes a tip of at least $30 a month. Holy crap. Yeah. So you could make $2.13 an hour and only $30 in tips, and that would be enough. Um, This act has been amended many, many times, and I just want to mention the most recent amendment was in 2007, so nearly 14 years ago, uh, and that was the amendment that allowed the minimum wage to go up to 7.25. So the the federal minimum wage has been stagnant in many states for over 10 years yep. because the minimum wage went up to 7.25. So it started in 2007 to raise up to 7.25, which it reached in 2009, and it has been there since. And since then, several states, as Jason mentioned earlier, over 20 states have made their own laws. New York is one of them, and New York is currently on track already to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. It already is $15 an hour in New York City, Long Island, Westchester counties. Um, and the rest of the state just uh, went up from eleven eighty an hour on December 31st. It, the minimum wage in New York State was raised to twelve fifty an hour. Uh, for the past several years, there have been yearly raises of about 70 cents. Uh, and at this point, 1250 it is it is set to go up to 15 at some point but there is no set date as to when that will be or any specific regulation as to how much it has to raise annually it is just going to get to 15 at some point yeah so th- thanks for that reminder, Mary, that the, we have a federal minimum wage that was born out of the Great Depression and Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal that promised to make the government meet people's material needs. And that's a good thing. And as we mentioned, that's why we have a government. And it's also, thank you for the reminder, Mary, that the federal minimum wage hasn't been increased in over a decade. And I believe that's been the longest in the history of the minimum wage that the, it has not gone up. And so we know in basic economics that there's something called inflation and that money becomes less valuable over time if it's at the same amount. So $10 today, or sorry, $10, um, you know, a minimum wage of seven twenty-five in 2007 is not worth the same as it is right now. It's maybe worth, you know, $6 and 30 cents an hour. So, so you need to keep increasing money over time because of inflation. Uh, you know, we could have a different system that does that, but that's the system that we have. And so uh, inaction is essentially negative action, right? Not doing anything is the same as making something worse because of uh, inflation and purchasing power. I want to end our discussion on minimum wages to very brief final points. One is that there's lots of reports out there. This one is from the Economic Policy Institute that says that if the minimum wage kept pace with productivity, it would be $24 an hour now. So, you know, according to what the minimum wage was in 1968 and how it met worker productivity, if we still kept on that same pace with how productive we are as an economy, we, the minimum wage would be $24 an hour. And that goes back to our point earlier saying, you know, in theory, people in capitalism are being paid based on their productivity. We said, and this is really, really important, you have to understand about this economy, is that you never are being paid 
for your labor equal to your productivity or to your value. You are always being paid cents on the dollar, you know, fractional amounts of what you are truly worth, uh, you know, not just in a fanciful notion as a human being, but literally as a laborer. And we shared that with a pizza store. You know, if you sell one pizza in an hour that's worth $20, but you get paid $12.50 an hour because that's the minimum wage, where does that $7.50 go? Well, it goes to the lights, it goes to the pizza ingredients, etc. Well, what happens if you sell 30 pizzas in an hour, which is pretty realistic? Where does that all go? Well, it goes to the capitalists, it goes to the business owners, and that is their profit. And so you're never being paid your true productivity or your true value. And so minimum wage should be far higher than 15. And I completely agree with Mark, you know, Tim Wahlberg, <laughs> the Republican from Michigan, <laughs> that the minimum wage should be even higher than $15 an hour. I'm all for that. My last point I want to make, uh, and hopefully we, you know, we hammered this home, was that if the minimum wage is low, people do not have money to meet their basic needs. They, they have to rely on the social safety net, which you know, is us as taxpayers paying for it. And they, uh, it also is a burden on our whole economic system because they're not able to buy goods and services from, say, the mom and pop shops or whatever. You know, someone's money is always someone else's profit or income, too. And so we need money to be in circulation. The problem that we have now in all these red states in particular, where, where the minimum wages are so low and poverty tends to be so much high, you know, red states, southern states, Republican states have higher poverty rates than blue states. And as a result, people living in red states are a bigger drain on the social safety net than those living in blue states. They are using Obamacare more than people in blue states. They're using, you know, uh, Medicaid more than people in blue states. And we see this all time and time again, that blue states like New York State subsidize red states like Kentucky, where Mitch McConnell is from. And, you know, for whatever perverse reason, Republicans are fighting against having state and local taxes in, uh, in, in federal relief. And Democrats are arguing for that. And so uh, it just makes no sense that you wouldn't run to w raise the minimum wage because it would reduce the burden on the social safety net, too. There's so many reasons to raise the minimum wage. If you've listened to us this whole time and you are not out in the streets right now with a pitchfork and torch saying raise the minimum wage, I'm not inciting a riot here. I'm just, you know, <laughs> speaking metaphorically um, that, uh, you know, let's uh, I think it's a great idea to support. And uh, in fact, polls show that most Americans do support it. And that's a great thing. So, yay, go Bernie Sanders. Yay, go Democrats. Yay. Let's get this minimum wage up to $15 an hour. Let's transition now to talk about Texas for our last 10 minutes on evidence of design and 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. This week, we saw a big storm pass through Texas and carry its way all the way up to the northeast of the United States. I'm sure everyone has seen the photos of Texas uh, having an inch of snow on the ground. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, having uh, <laughs> uh, power outages and uh, freezing pipes and people having to boil water. And it's a, it's a really, really sort of devastating situation. And there's a lot of really interesting things that fall into this story, such as Texas's decision to deregulate the power grid, the conservative idea that federal regulation or government regulation of any kind is bad and let the companies do what they do best. And so deregulation has led to this disaster in Texas. Climate change has probably led to this disaster in Texas, having more sporadic weather patterns and effects. A lack of infrastructure spending has likely led to this problem in, in Texas, where our aging infrastructure system across the entire United States is, is sort of a mockery and really sad, and uh, poor infrastructure has likely led to this. 
and also this sort of cultural idea of go at aloneness, of independenceness, of pull yourself up by your own bootstrapsness and Texas staying on its own power grid is likely a reason that uh, this mess has happened in Texas. So this, this story pulls together all these things, deregulation, climate change, needing more infrastructure spending, and a culture of go it alone. It's, uh, it's a really beautiful story to tie all those together, and it's a really sad and unfortunate story that it all has to happen and affect the lives of people um, in Texas because this is not okay. You know, this could have, it's, Certainly there will always be disasters, but something like this certainly could have been avoided with better politicians. Yeah, and, I'd, like to, yeah. I'd like to share a text message that I got from my dad today right before the show started. This is just a, an anecdote of, of one individual's hardships, but I think it's such anecdotes that are often most effective in getting others to real, recognize and realize the human cost. Your dad lives in Texas, right, Matt? He does. So he, he told me today, um, this week has been such a struggle, trying to stay warm with the power off, trying to stay healthy with no water, spending all day Thursday hauling snow into the house to bottle water for flushing toilets, avoiding people for a year since the pandemic started. I've forgotten what it was like when life was easy. After three days on generator power, I have to keep reminding myself that our light switches work now when I walk into a dark area of our house. After several days with no water pressure, I only trust the distilled water for brushing teeth and drinking. I have several gallons of tap water stored in old milk jugs, but that was supposed to be used for cleaning windshields out in the garage. Now it is now it and the bottled water from our reverse osmosis unit are the jugs we use to wash hands and dishes. Hopefully the water system at the ranch survived and we can shower and clean water today. We will bring back about 50 gallons of water in containers for us and friends. Yeah, thanks. This is not like, this is not the kind of hardships that you would expect anybody in a post-industrial revolution society to be living in. And this is, you know, one of the arguments for even having a capitalist system to begin with is like, yeah, you get rampant uh, social alienation and and and, uh, and meaningless labor uh, paid at that, that that pays you a, a non-livable wage, but you get nice things like clean water and and uh, you know heat in winter and 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 the reality is that we it's the the we've been so hollowed out by our uh rampant and our our our, our single-minded pursuit of profits that the uh that none of that even exists anymore and and the, the smallest sort of um uh the the whole thing is ready to fall apart in a second because any 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 uh, society built on this neoliberal capitalist system is a house built on sand. Indeed, it is, Matt. Thanks for sharing that story from Texas. Our our thoughts are certainly with folks like your dad and everyone else there. We do have to end our show though on one hundred point nine FM WXIR in Rochester. You can always find our past episodes anywhere you get a podcast or on YouTube at Evidence of Design. Big thanks to one hundred point nine FM WXIR and RCTV RCTV for hosting platforms like this as your grassroots stations. It's great stuff, folks. Thank you for being here too, taking time out of your lives to listen. Let's all continue to advocate for a society that meets everyone's material needs. Thanks for being here. Until next time, be well, be safe, take care, and bye-bye.